Happy Thanksgiving, everybody! Welcome to the MTG Untapped Podcast, episode 45. I am your host, I am the Micah, and joining me is a man I am very thankful for. He is Costa. How are you, my friend? Doing well. I'm also thankful for you, Micah, because I don't have the vibrato or uh, voice to carry as a host. I'm way too zen and I don't know about monotone, but you know, I know I'm gonna have to call in sick one of these days and have you do it. Cause I think you do exceptional. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything you want to talk about for the phase in? Yeah. Um, we were kind of talking about it and I, I'm blanking real hard right now. Um, we could definitely talk about what we just talked about. The whole LeBron James retaliating on what's the name? Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart. Yeah. Oh man, I I feel Mr. Stewart's uh, pain here because I've had many of the times where people, for some reason, want to try to push me around, and then I box them out really nice and clean, and then they retaliate. So, hang in there, maybe Mr. Stewart. Uh, maybe I have guess some- for the listeners to inform them as to what happened. Uh, there was the Lakers versus the Pistons, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I was right, coach. Yes. The Pistons. Um, late in the game, the Pistons were shooting a free throw. I uh, LeBron was lined up, uh, not near the hoop, but on the elbow, and Stewart goes to box him out. LeBron appears to take exemption, exemption, exception, <laughs> and with a closed fist, smacks him on the head. He claimed it was inadvertent, but I don't know how many times you've ever smacked someone with a closed fist and had to be at uh, whatever that. Where it is, man, I'm like really stumbling over my words today. But uh, so obviously by getting smacked in the head, Zayas Stewart takes exempt. Uh, I almost did it again. Uh, so um, he has to get, be pulled away from LeBron because he's trying to throw down. Uh, they get him away. Then he takes off past the people who are trying to corral him. Um, he gets pulled back again. He goes for it again and gets pulled back. They manage to get him into the tunnel where he <laughs> proceeds to haul ass. And everyone's like, all right, everyone look over there. Make sure he's not coming out the other side of the tunnel so he can attempt to make a run at LeBron. I thought they should have let him go. Just handle it right there, like men. Handle your business. Well, for for maybe you and those that don't know basketball history too well, we might have seen part two of Malice in the Palace. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, Mr. Micah. I am not. So... Malice in the Palace, this took place in 2004, where we had, uh, at the time, um, well, formerly known as Ron Artest, now Meta World Peace, uh, got into an altercation with Ben Wallace, and um, one thing led to another, and when you say the entire stadium, you just mean that there was both fans and basketball players literally fighting each other in the stadium. Like, this wasn't like throw in some tomatoes that at the players like Ronald Terrace jumped into the stands, decked a fan and then the fans retaliated on him and all are swinging at him. Uh, so very, <laughs> it's very hilarious that this would happen again with the Detroit player. Um, now granted Ronald Terrace was really the, the guy who was kind of like the catalyst for pushing this and whatnot, but, um, 
yeah, I don't think the NBA wants to see that again. Of course, I'm not going to lie. I, I think I find it very entertaining. And I also agree that I think they should have. My, my thing is this. Uh, if I'm in Isaiah Stewart's position, and so I hear a couple things like the guys all talk and this and that, because he waited for his team to surround him before trying to run at him or whatever. I don't know if I can say that. I think I think when he got hit, it was still kind of a shock, and who knows what the conversation was like happening as they were jawing at each other. But whatever LeBron said to him got him more amped, and then he tried to go at him. Do I think he would have swung at LeBron? I actually think he would have. I think he was really trying to get to him. Um, I don't think it was a show. I think he got to a point where he got really pissed off. Um, so for all these people saying that, you know, oh, he was, you know, full talk or whatever that he was going to do anything. I, I think sometimes there, there are two types of people, the people that are just ready to jump in and get into the fight. And there's the people that kind of think about it and say, in like, you know, they probably have a higher threshold and then they kind of explode. There's actually really more than two people, but my point is here that we could have, we could have had a really hell of a fight here. And on the record, I, I mean, LeBron as a uh, basketball player, I recognize his talent. I probably said this a hundred times already. Um, he does do some philanthropy type things. Um, but there are just some things I don't care for. Uh, Ennis Cantor actually called him out too, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, basically saying that you kind of pick and choose your battles here. You say you're, you know, you're for social justice and all this stuff, but then you let China silence you and your money and stuff like that. Um, and I, and I kind of agree with Cantor on this one. I think that sometimes LeBron, He's a businessman, and so he. All I've seen him do is play more to the political things that will get him praise and grow his brand, more so than just like the common day struggle kind of stuff. And again, I don't hear that much. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not diving into all that kind of news and whatnot. But um, you know, I know, I know, I know when he was with Cleveland originally the Akron love and stuff that I really like that. That was like a homegrown thing. I just think as he's gotten bigger, I think he's kind of left some of the smaller issues behind in pursuit of a, a, a brand, so to speak. But um, that's my take for, for that. Uh, did you end up looking up the uh, mouse at the palace? <laughs> I did. Yeah, it was. Uh, it sounds like a, it sounds like a, it would have been a hell of a thing to witness live. Oh, it was. Cr- I mean, even the commentators, like everyone was just all in all. Like, it's kind of like one of those things. Like, I, I would definitely not put this anywhere near like, uh, you know, World Trade Center type of shock or whatever. But let me tell you, like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's a big jump. But, what I, what <laughs> but here's what I'm trying to say. I think if everyone was invested in basketball as heavy as the people watching the game that day, you would have had this really big shock right and so like right when you when you remember the world trade center and, you, and it's just happening you it's kind of a shock like is this like is this really happening right it takes you back a little bit at all not equating to you know rest in, rest in peace those people terrible tragedy um you know it's it's something that we should never forget and this is one of those things though that when i think about when you <laughs> you're all laughing at me like i'm insane but i'm just saying when i <laughs> I'm just let's saying bring up 9-11. Yeah, let's bring up 9-11, right? But I'm just saying, like, when, when I see things on TV live that happen sometimes, it's like it's a shock, right? Because everything you see on TV is supposed to be like fake and, and whatnot. And then this happens, you're like, damn, these people just like straight up like street fighting in, you know, 
an NBA Coliseum. So way to catch yourself there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. My final thought on this is uh, Tim Duncan, the goat. All right. Let's move on to the end cap stats where we talk about magic that we played over the past week. And we have a funny story for this one too. Oh my um, gosh. So we did a draft last Friday night at Junior's Comics and Cards located in South Austin off Slaughter Lane near the HEB. Uh, the Heb. So uh, Coast and I were in the same pod. He was sitting to my right. So he got the pass to me for two packs. I get to pass to him for one. And um, my pack one, pick one was good old Torrin's Fist of the Angels. And uh, which is actually kind of really funny because I ordered the showcase version for it EDH deck so I could participate in Costa and his clicks um, in Estrada tribal EDH games. I believe he, you've mentioned it on the podcast before. Like you have your zombies and friends of the podcast, Victor, Big Choppa, and Joshua Jonesy Jones, uh, Jameson, um, with their vampire and werewolves, respectively. Uh, so I was like, I'll play humans. And so I got a Torrens, and then I ended up cracking one that very night that I got it in the mail. And so uh, I thought that was kind of funny, but it was the foil showcase version. So, you know, one up myself. But yeah, and uh, you ended up pulling a mythic, right? Like yeah, I got the 4-4 four, four for 3 that is like Defender, Flying, Vigilance, but if it has 3 soup fate counters or whatever, it can attack. And then it's a backside, it curses an opponent, and once it gets its 3 counters, they lose. Faithbound Judge? Yeah, something like that. Alright, and so um, I see this card, I'm, like, All right, I'm moving around this no matter what. And then we get like 6 picks in. And now, this probably isn't the best um, behavior for you whenever you go to your LGS. But Costa, it's like a very relaxed environment at Juniors. And Costa and I sit next to each other. We don't really care. Well, here, <laughs> so, here's one more yeah. thing to, to point out. We've toned this part back that you're about to explain. But the other thing is, it's the flip cards. So you, you mm-hmm. actually, in a draft, are supposed to announce them anyway. So you're going to see what you did, all my picks, and what colors are going into. But anyways, please proceed. But also, whenever Coach is like, why can't you stop laughing? And I was like, I got this foil version of the card I ordered today. Um, so uh, we get like six picks in the pack one. Uh, I got like a Fierce Retribution, um, a Piercing Light or whatever it's called. Some other good green-white cards for like a training style deck and just good cards you want in those colors. And then Coach is like, this is what I'm doing. And he's like, he's also in green light. And it's like, okay, great. And he's like, you might want to consider, because he's passing to me for two packs. So he's going to get the first pick of the litter most of the time. Uh, so he's like, you might want to consider pivoting. And I do. And I look at the first pack I'm getting. I was like, all right, what can I pivot to? There's nothing. There's a stitched assistant. That's like the best common in the pack. So I was like, all right, I'll take this. Maybe I can go in blue. And then. I just, I just want to play this Torin so bad. And uh, I got like ended up getting like three chill of the graves, which is probably like my favorite blue common in the set. It's just my, it's not, I'm not saying it's the best one. It's just my favorite. And, um, but I just said, screw it. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to get that much stuff coming from Costa, but I'm going to build the best green white deck. I can, I passed the screaming swarm in pack two because it had a full art Chandra in it. But eventually I thought I had a decent green white deck. I ended up also splashing red for Halana and Elena partners. Uh, that's just a, 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 a... What can you say about the rares in the set? A lot of them are just so ridiculous. 
and Halana and Elena ended up getting me a win or two. Um, but when it came time to play it out, uh, my first two matches, they both went at three games and I just lost really competitive games, started O2 and then ended up pulling my, uh, third, uh, match in the O2 bracket, uh, in two games to a guy who's playing his first match again on about 10 years. But Costa, you, my friend, you got to play for first place. So tell us about your experience. First of all, I would just like to say after you got two chill the graves and you get this swarming screeching swarm, not only do you not not only do you realize you're gonna have to splash, but you splash for the one rare when you <laughs> I kept telling Micah this by the way. I was telling them I was like blue was so wide open. I even said it just to kind of a gentle nudge, like blue is where you should be at. Granted you know we don't know how the games would have played out but i find it hilarious that he the blue card i mean he got a chill to chill the grave like last last, I pass pick. Him, last <laughs> pick and i was just like dude i think this is where you're supposed to be at and you could have still splashed torin could have still splashed torin um i think my only source of fixing was i had one weaver blossoms but i think if you go but if you had gone into green blue then you would have uh the chill graves draws right which is like yeah, not a fix but it gets you in there right so anyways mm-hmm. yes so i competed in the feature match it was actually it actually felt really good i'm not gonna lie to like because it used to be like that sometimes where we would be playing uh and you'd have like the last two people playing for first and everyone after the, because most of the time they finish their games and everyone else would go watch it yeah we had like what everybody watching the game like he even stayed which is hilarious because usually you don't stay you just uh you have to get to bed i was a sleepy boy uh yeah well it's because i didn't rub your tummy that's why but normally <laughs> but we're only when i rub your tummy you're just you're ready warm milk you make it weird? <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so i played for for first place um i did end up losing in the third round I will say, though, uh, I was pretty proud of myself, even though, and everyone was there to witness it, drawing six straight lands at the very end while my opponent continued to draw action. But I still played to my outs. In fact, um, he kind of, he misstepped a little bit. I forgot what the card it was, too. But I I was hoping he would swing in with the whatever card was really busting my chops. Uh, and, if, that, that was one of the most like incredible games of Magic I've ever watched. Uh, your opponent, uh, friend of the podcast, maybe, I don't know, uh, Ethan, mm-hmm. uh, he strapped a gutter skulker with uh, the cat geist. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was that was very synergistic. Yes, but the funny thing, and that's right, and that's the card that uh, I ended up kind of killing him with. So that's actually how he, he really ended up winning through was the gutter skulker was able to get through damage and draw him cards. But on a turn where I don't actually think he had lethal, um, he, he swung out though, and it was the perfect opportunity because I got to play Witch's Wet Web, uh, untapping my creature and giving it plus three, plus three, and killing it. And he was like, "Oh man!" Like he he felt the pressure because at that point, I just needed to draw like a piece of action to get back in the game. Unfortunately, I couldn't. It was just lands. Um, but it was a I, thank you, thank you. I actually thought it was a really great game of Magic. I I, I felt like I was playing real heads up. Um, we both kept our cool because that's kind of if you've never been in that situation before, just having a bunch of eyes watch you uh, and try to not think about, you know, I guess the key in that moment, like it, 
you know, I used to be very nervous when people watched me and now I've gotten to the point where I'm pretty confident in what I do. And it might not always be the decision that someone else makes, but I've also just learned when you're the one spectating and get to see other things play out, you are the genius, right? You get to see both hands, you get to have it slower and not have the pressure on you. So the fact that I held my own was, was pretty awesome. And Ethan did a great job, great deck building. Um, the card that really, oh man, uh, on top of, on top of having just that nice little combo, he had the dollhouse, uh, whatever card, the artifact that you exile. Dollhouse of horrors. Yeah. That card is insane. And, oh, I was so close to beating it too. Uh, he had, he had so many good cards, but, um, yeah, so that was uh, that was a feature match. It was awesome. I actually had a really good game with friend of the podcast AJ. Mm, yeah, he played great. both Soren and Edgar. <laughs> yep. And I, right, I came at him. I had commons, and my commons they fought hard. I I had a eight ten heron of hope. <laughs> I had like the the backside of drug school infantry on this boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the what's the green enchantment that chance a land or. A creature yeah a natural yeah. something uh i had that nature's embrace i had nature's that on yeah. this uh i'm tr- now i'm struggling to remember why i had the other how i got the other plus two plus two uh but either way i had an eight ten heron of hope and that thing kept me in the game for as long as i as long as it could but eventually it was just wasn't to be yeah the uh poor aj i i think i think honestly it was supposed to even out that way because i played aj the round before this dude had like nine blood nine blood tokens on the field and in one turn cycled five of them <laughs> five blood tokens and drew five straight lands through that and so i think it was just supposed to happen like he got flooded against me. I, I do think my deck was actually really sweet though. Like, and I was a little miffed at first because I was just like, man, we're fighting for these cards and I'm trying to scrounge something together. But I, I really was proud of the way I was able to kind of find the hole and what green, white deck I wanted to be in. And granted green, white humans is like, you kind of know, right? Like you're in green, white humans, you know, you're going to be there, but I had to pick some cards that were going to, that even though they weren't synergistic, like I, they ended up, helping me edge out some of these games so it was great stuff i think that will do it for this week's untapped stuff let's get into this week's main topic where we're gonna tell you what we are thankful for so each of us has prepared a top five list of stuff from the past year in the world of magic the gathering that we are thankful for because it's thanksgiving I suppose I should have also said during the intro, it's like happy early podcast because we're going to be releasing this one on Thanksgiving Day. So make sure you listen to this before you go spend time with your family because it's more important. I'm just kidding. So, uh, kind of is, though. Because you just want to go back and forth one at a time? Yeah, let's go back and forth. Let's start at our number five and then work our way up. All right. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Do we do a die roll to figure out who goes first? Uh, Hmm, I was gonna be really cool here. Do you have a you have a magic card in front of you by any chance? Sure. All right. You pull up your magic card, and whoever has the greatest CMC goes first. Oh wait, now I want to grab a different one. I no, no, he's <laughs> the the first one you see. Right. You'll have to turn your camera on though. Oops, I forgot you can't see me. <laughs> uh, where is my turn on camera? Ta da! Right. What's yours? Two. No. Uh, oh, mine's three. three. 
three. All right, I'm, draw the next card. Oh, by the way, for the listeners, just so they know, I had Twin Silk Spider from Modern Horizons one. I had Midnight Guard from Battle Bond. Jesus. Now I have Toski, and he has Hana, <laughs> <laughs> the Lane of Partners. All right, next card. All right, you win. I have uh, Fey Offering from Modern Horizons two. I have a foil Sojourner's Companion, which came with my copy of Torrens for some reason. All right. Well, you win. <laughs> All right. So my number five, and I know it might be awfully shocking. This isn't number one because I've talked about it quite a bit on the podcast. And that is my newfound love for Itali in Edianch. So back in Feb, it was February, right? When uh, Time Spiral Remastered dropped. Yes. And um, my pack in my pack one, or is it pack one? I don't know. In one of the packs, I had the time shifted Itali primaled on. That's not what it's called. I just realized, whatever. And uh, I was like, this might be a fun commander, or whatever. I ended up splashing it in that deck, even though it cost has two red in the cost, but I was like, YOLO. Um, and so I built the Itali deck. So I was putting cards that gives it gives it haste. I have a few like extra combat spells. It could be fun. It turns out it's like the most stupid, just pure fun deck that I've ever made. Um, the last time I got to play it, I got to drop Itali on turn two, not turn two, turn three and give it haste that turn. And, uh, got our LGS is like, okay, I'm not playing this game, but this would have been fun. It's just like, cause it, it's, it doesn't feel oppressive. It just gives you so much value. Hmm. They can just, they can just kill, they can just kill the, it's only oppressive if you have oppressive cards in your deck <laughs> that's why it's oppressive <laughs> i mean it's, it's not powerful it's, it's powerful not it's impressive. extremely powerful i don't know i've gotten to the point now where i do like the card but at the same time i feel like your whole thing is just ramp up to Atali, protect it and then you get to play your cards it's like uh it's pretty it's not even pretty necessarily nuts. protecting i have like lightning greaves and that's the only thing that yeah that's good but it's like it's like all ramp mm. haste enablers which is yeah. really funny when you draw like multiple haste enablers and it's like okay these cards don't do anything but either way and then um then like there's like a few payoffs like and then like extra combat spells but yeah uh that that deck really rejuvenated my love for edh i'd say because it was just like and because it's like a deck that i hadn't actually seen before or played against before and it felt like something that was like more my own even though it's probably like way more Itali decks out there. Oh yeah, it's 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 a very high percentage on the Hrek. Yeah, I think it's. Let's actually look and see mm-hmm. how high it ranks among mono red commanders. Totally uh, problem storm. Uh, not in the top five, not in the top ten. Oh, it's fourteenth with six hundred and fifty-one decks. I mean, that's pretty good. Fourteenth for a mono red. Yeah, yeah that's not bad. But anyway, uh, it was a card. It was it was just a card that rejuvenated my love for the game. <laughs> Not to be over dramatic, but uh, yeah. So that was my number five for what I'm thankful. Itali, Primal Storm, not Dawn. Ooh, sorry. I, as we were looking at EDH Rec, they have the new card. Well, the cards reprinted in the double feature, and I'm looking at the red cards. They look so pretty in that like. The black and white. So if you just type in like Atali uh, in the search bar and then look at the new cards, it'll show, it'll show like Burn Down the House, Cathartic Pyre, 
Moon Silver Key, Reckless Storm Seeker. Holy yeah, moly. Yeah, they look good. They look real good. So it's like the framing for the double feature Let's stuff. Turn all the cards. Why don't they just do this in the freaking whatever? Well, the other thing too is, sorry, we're getting on topic. I just want to lay this out real quick. The other thing is that you only get one of these cards. I, um, I believe one of these cards per booster instead of like the whole thing being this way, which I think it should have been that way. But anyways, um, that's hilarious that you uh, chose a tolly because I, for the record, we don't know each other's list. And for my number five, I was very happy for prosper Tonebound. Um, I wasn't really on this card, like off in the beginning. In fact, I kept hearing the name over and over and I was like, okay, whatever. And then Jason, uh, brought it up. He's like, you should make a prosper tone down deck. And I really forgot the reason what it was for, but, um, he's like, you should make it. And that's kind of look at the cards. Like this could be fun. I made it. Oh man. Like it's extremely fun. Um, and it's hilarious also that it plays similar to Atali. It's playing my opponent's cards more. So, well, I wouldn't say more so, but there are a lot of ways I play my opponent's cards as well as mine. So it has a good combination of the two, but the fact that I have like, you know, jewel Lotus and man of all or mana crypt and all this stuff to like, uh, just accelerate it. Like on a turn one or two is like, it's actually really awesome. Um, it makes it really fun. And it's one of those things where, uh, my friends know now that the deck is really powerful, but they also don't feel like they have to kill it because it's just not doing that much. It just gains incremental value with all its treasures, which I also love the treasure mechanic. Um, maybe I'll put a little dash in there, Prosper Tonebound plus treasures, because that was kind of like a theme this year, it seemed like. Um, but that was my number five. What's your number four, Micah? My number four was good limited sets. <laughs> so um even though it feels like it's like forever ago uh Kaldheim was like stupid fun just drafting like three or four color snow just like forcing it was just fun and i thought uh because car was kind of disappointing to me that m21 you know it's a corset uh and ikoria you didn't get to draft a lot it could i feel like I don't know. There's just like something missing. Like mutate didn't play as well. I don't know. But either way, this year called time. I said I loved. I wasn't that high on Strixhaven, but I loved AFR. I enjoyed Midnight Hunt, and I am loving Crimson Vow. Uh, and limited is probably the main way I play. Uh, and so that's why I'm very happy. This isn't to mention like like the Time Spiral remastered was draft was fun. I mean, I was splashing Tali in that deck. Uh, I don't think I did very well, but I remember having fun. And then, like, the Modern Horizons 2 was fun. Uh, even though it's, like, it was just a different limited experience. And so, that's why I would say number four. It was good limited sets this year. Was I am thankful for. Well, also hilarious because my number four is great draft experiences. So basically the exact same thing but here i'll make mine a little different he wanted to focus on the sets um i just think that starting with Kaldheim up until now they've done a really good job in either making these sets a great draft experience meaning that like the draft itself is really awesome and engaging and it's cool to make it a you know these puzzle pieces and fitting them together um and then the or the gameplay has been great so that was 
kind of a, an argument to be made for um, Midnight Hunt was that the draft part of it wasn't that amazing, but the gameplay, which I totally love from the set or from that set was awesome. Um, so I'm really happy that continued, uh, they're continuing to look at drafting, um, and making, still making it a thing. Um, I think Arcoria was uh, also a really great draft experience. And so was Zendikar and stuff like that, but it just seems like they're getting better and better, uh, with some of this, uh, Crimson Vow, of course, at the very end, I just don't like it because, uh, or I don't, it's not that I don't like it. Um, it's my least favorite probably because of the, um, Prince nature of mm-hmm. this, um, I have just been my talks roll a few too many times. Uh, uh, yes. And I've had some really good decks and I keep and I keep running into talks roll for some reason. Uh, that card is nuts. Uh, but yeah, they've done a great job with the draft experiences. Number three, Mr. Micah. So my number three has been a diverse standard. So standard used to be the thing that I would do or historic just whenever I didn't have like the gold or gems to do draft or whatever, or if I wanted to start saving up for the next set, it was never like something that I like objectively enjoy doing. And this is actually a point that's going to tie into my number two. But uh, now at this point right now, like standards, the thing that I enjoy playing and it's just like, I don't really feel like uh, drafting. I'm going to try and build some other deck. And it's not like, okay, I'm if I run into like the, that top tier magic, I'm just going to lose all the time. Uh, like before uh, we started recording, I was playing a Boros burn deck. And I'm like a few games away from Mythic. Hopefully I can get there in the next uh, eight days. Uh, I guess it's only five after this episode releases. But I've played a lot more decks. I'm enjoying playing like the standard constructed format more right now. And for just having a more ways to enjoy the game of Magic the Gathering, I am thankful for that. Nice. Yeah, I haven't, um, I don't know, the Throne of Eldraine really kind of <laughs> threw mm-hmm. a wrench in standard and I haven't been able to play in paper um, just because people, I think, felt the same way. Um, and so it has been better on Arena, but I just have a really hard time. I don't know, like spamming through Arena um, standard isn't for me um which is why i haven't gotten to as much but it is it has been a lot better i totally agree with you on that um for my number three now it's a little more specific here i'm very happy for modern horizons 2 uh that set was amazing in both drafting um value what it's added to modern even though i haven't been able to play much modern um i really enjoy the cards that came out from there and also commander like there have just been some cool cards that even though they're not as uh, commander pushed cards, they've been great. And more importantly, uh, I love me some Ragavan. I don't play with the card, but I just love that monkey. In fact, I love it so much that a buddy of mine went to the Vegas, um, the first Vegas event um, in a while, obviously cash prize, whatever. And he got me the Vegas monkey play mat. So I am just so happy. Um, so I really love me modern horizons too. I really hope they continue with the third one that, you know, great product and whatnot. Um, a lot of people have complained that, you know, it's warped the format for modern. And so it feels somewhat like standard that it's rotating a little too much, but uh, look, you can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too. People complain because modern never changes. And then we have busted cards. 
but then they're complaining that it's so good. The cards are so good, even though the format is very fun that, uh, you know, well, I have to rotate my cards. It's like, yeah, uh, you know, kind of got to pick, got to pick. Right. So, uh, number two, Micah, what is your number two? Well, I mentioned the ties in with my previous one, but that is hitting mythic this year. Uh, it's never something, uh, I particularly cared about doing, but, uh, after uh, being inspired by you and your efforts to hit Mythic, uh, I was like, screw it, I want to do it too. And now it's like something I actually want to try doing. Like, I hit it, it wasn't last, that was last month. And so, and then I'm trying to hit it again this month. And I'm thankful I was able to do that because I feel like that grind to get those last few wins really uh, helped me improve as a magic player. And I'm hoping to continue improving. And hitting mythic more than once, maybe sometime I'll be good enough at limited to hit it in limited. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I did not make it uh, to mythic. But, but you didn't. You didn't fail. You just ran out of time. Yeah, I know. I know. And that's and it's the the bummer part is I'm I'm I know I would have made it to mythic. It just now trying to to get back on that horse. Like I was looking at crimson vow. First of all, I'm not enjoying it as much, and so I was like, uh. And then the time frame. I think like when it released and between like school and everything. Now I will get to mythic. I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. I just, I don't know. It's like playing like a, you ever play like a video game where you at the final boss or whatever. And up until the final boss, like you, like it was like a long time frame, And so you just like stop playing that last level because it took so long and you died or whatever. Like that's where I'm at right now. So um, for my number two, uh, I have my newfound love for Innistrad. So just kind of a backstory. I, when I was playing back in the day, I actually dropped out in Innistrad uh, because I, weirdly enough, so I have these weird tendencies, um, themes or thematics of games kind of push me one direction or the other example is Skyrim. Uh, I really love Skyrim gameplay, but I hate the gray in the game. And so as great as the game was, uh, a lot of times I'd push myself off of it because I was tired of seeing constant gray. Like there's just like this filter of gray, even in the greenest pastures, which is really weird. Right. So within Estrad, I didn't like the thematics of, uh, this vampire horror movie looking kind of thing. Like it just, it was also kind of great to me in some ways, like the cards uh, can't really explain it, but I didn't care for it. And then uh, I, funny enough, I dropped out again when uh, shadows of Nishad came out for the same reason, just because I was thinking of like how it was back in the day. Now, granted the cards were a little more vibrant uh, and the story was way different. But here we come with the Midnight Hunts, and I was getting excited because we were getting up to Halloween, and something was changing about how I liked it. Well, now I love the whole Innistrad theme so much that I made an Innistrad cube. I know, basic, but um, I'm really happy, excited about it, and I'm so excited. I'm trying to get Micah to at least cube with me mm-hmm. once with it. Um, I'm going to throw a whole bunch of packs at him just so he can pack, crack open packs and open and feel like he got something. Uh, but I'm super excited about this. Uh, I love it. I love the gameplay. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how I fit these pieces together and hopefully make a, a great draft experience for um, anybody who comes and, and plays the cube. So, all right. For uh, your number one, Mr. Micah, what do you have for number one? All right. Not to get too sappy, 
My number one has been the MTG on Tap podcast. Uh, we actually recorded the first episode late last December. Then I just didn't, I had it on my computer and didn't post it for uh, several weeks <laughs> until we posted it in January. But so 2021 has been the birth year of our podcast. And I have had a great time doing it with you. I hope we continue to do it for several uh, centuries to come. And is my number one most thankful uh, thing I'm thankful for in this uh, year, 2021 year of our Lord, when it comes to magic, the gathering. See, I feel like a dick. Cause I should have asked you if you really consider it in 2021. Cause I remember the whole time too, in December of 2020, I was like, so are we going to post this or not? So it's not my number one. Had I known it was an option, <laughs> it would have definitely been my number one, uh, but which is fine. Cause our list was mostly the same anyway. So for my number one, uh, paper magic has returned. Um, yes. You know, we were kind of getting together with some friends uh, privately um, and, you know, in close, or not close quarters, but small groups, right. Um, even during the pandemic, but now paper magic has basically returned in, in 2021. Uh, you know, people are still getting vaccinated and we're seeing that curve, you know, on the downslope. So everything's looking good. And I'm really excited to see people back on the store again. Um, I've been excited to um, help anybody, um, and so this kind of segues into, um, I'm kind of glad that, you know, I didn't, I really didn't think of myself as a, as a great drafter up until I started drafting with you and, you know, you and Jason and, and tree and, and Aaron were like, Hey, uh, dude, you're a good drafter. Like, in fact, you might be one of the better ones there. And so it's been really nice to have that interaction with people, being able to help them. And again, my, my style of drafting, um, is, um, unique in the sense that I, I try to, t I try to put a, my own twist on it. I, maybe cause I'm trying to reinvent the wheel. Who knows? But I just, I see different ways of drafting. And so it's been nice to help people. And again, that kind of goes, ties into just having people at the shop, man. I, I miss that interaction with people. Um, for some people that, you know, magic is, is, is what they have. Right. I mean, um, you know, some people might laugh at that or make fun of other people, but unless you've been part of the gathering part of it, uh, you just don't understand the, the camaraderie sometimes. And yeah, you get some butthead sometimes, you know, I can be a butthead for sure. Um, you know, at the shop, but, um, you know, you get to see those people. We love Henry. Like, I mean, Henry, you know, is at my bachelor party, uh, who's the shop owner of juniors comics. Um, and, uh, honestly, ever since then, like we've just grown closer and closer. So I really cherish that friendship. Obviously Micah, you know, I, I don't attribute it to magic, even though that's really where we came together, but basketball, which basketball, if we had to look at the hierarchy of what it's been in my life, it's actually number one because it got me and my best friends, my wife, my, Micah and the podcast. Like it's really, it's been this weird tie into everything else, but um, magic has stemmed, you know, has also been uh, made some great friendships for me as well. So well, that is our, uh, that's our top five is a pretty good, uh, top five list, man. I feel like a dick, man. <laughs> I guess it worked out though. That's hilarious that our, that our five, four were like basically not the same because of Tali, but it was like in the same breath. So, mm -hmm. uh, well, I think that'll do it for this week's main topic of thankfulness. Uh, we're going to keep this one nice and short and sweet coast. I want you to hit us with your quick picks. Sure. So for the quick picks this week, um, wanted to look at some of the cards that came out in uh, Crimson Vow. 
I looked at them. The cards are continuing to drop. Uh, the one little advice I will say or give is that there are some cards that are going to drop and they're going to climb. And there's some cards that are going to drop, climb, hold a high price. And then a few months later, they'll drop. Well, the three cards that I've chosen today, I think are going to be the, the drop stay low and then they will raise over at a later time. So for the first card, I have Jeroff visionary stitcher, the regular or showcase foils are currently a dollar 50 right now. This card is an auto clued in any zombie deck. Um, and because it makes tokens, um, and you, when you sacrifice a creature, it doesn't have to be a zombie. It just makes a zombie token. Um, seems like a pretty great auto include in a lot of decks, actually. Like, I think this card might go, uh, under the rug longer than the projected year that I have. Um, and I'm saying in a year it'll be $5. Um, but I think it's just at the, if it's not at the floor, $1.50 versus, okay, maybe it's 85 cents later on, which I don't think will happen. Like you're not losing much, right? So, um, I would pick this up now while it's low. Uh, the next card I have is voice of the bless. So, this is the super Johnny's pride mates for white and a white after like what? 10 counters or something like that. It becomes indestructible. Micah, do you remember? Something after like four that. counters, it gets vigilance and flying after 10. It gets indestructible. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, I mean, it's just an auto include in any uh, life game casual deck. It doesn't matter. Um, and you know, there's always that chance that it'll, it'll pop up as like a, someone's pet deck uh, in modern and just do something. I've seen uh, it in standard seen in standard and i've seen a lot of life gained throughout the year with uh with in standard for sure so i'm going this one it's currently at 365 for its uh ea version i don't know if i said but regular and ea foils of this card so va is a little more expensive but only by a couple of cents so 365 to eight dollars in a year the last card overcharge amalgam i was really high on this card when it was spoiled and i'm still really high on this card um zombie synergies but then also you can do sacrifice synergies um and just a counter spell uh on a creature which is amazing so uh regular and ea foils again uh 350 to eight dollars um again you can kind of scour through these cards uh there's an honorable mention in there i'm actually going to say uh, what is it caretaker of Averbrook, right is that the, the Averbrook caretaker Averbrook caretaker that card is dumb I'm hoping it'll get a little bit cheaper, but honestly, this might be the cheapest it gets. I think it's still hovering like around $11. Um, yeah, keep an eye on that card. It probably will be a call next week. Um, but that is it for my quick picks of the week. Again, as always, I like to remind everybody that, uh, you know, go and uh, be with your LGS, you know, magic is back, especially if you, you know, feel safe and vaccinated and you feel like the community around you supports that get out there, uh, come visit us at juniors comics. Um, again, every Friday we're drafting start at eight o'clock. Um, you know, if you're in Bastrop force of all gaming, uh, those guys out there would love to see y'all out there. Uh, there starts at six 30 and then same thing with alpha strike and San Marcos. They start at six 30 and the great thing is they ship cards. So if you need singles, I know they just cracked a ton of cards. I was just over there today before the podcast, which is Monday. Um, went over there to get some, uh, very cool cards. One of them I was really happy was the, uh, Dracula version of the two, one flyer that I'm forgetting currently right now, but, uh, they got cards, man. So, you know, look them up competitive pricing uh, and they'll deliver to you directly. So, um, you know, just like the show, we like to show our love to those 
uh, places. Uh, but Micah, I think that's it, man. Take us home. Yes, that will do it for this, the 45th episode of the MTG Untapped podcast. What did you think about what we talked about today? What are you thankful for this year? Let us know on Twitter at MTG Untapped Pod or at Facebook at MTG Untapped Podcast. And if you have any other ideas for stuff you would like us to talk about, shoot us an email at untappedmailbag at gmail.com. If you'd please stop whatever you're doing and subscribe, rate, and leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast, it would be very much appreciated. But yes, that will do it for this, the 45th installment of the MTG Untapped Podcast. I have been the Micah signing off for Costa. We will talk to y'all next week. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Later. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Gobble, gobble.